0: In a world where businesses are striving to adapt, connect, and evolve, we're here to bring you more. More freedom to work how and where you want while keeping employees connected, productive, and engaged. More flexibility to customize solutions to tailor a simple, more agile network. And more security for an evolving cyber landscape with around-the-clock access to hands-on technical support. It's time to explore more. Episode eleven: Next Generation Leadership. It's Bruce and Micah. Why do I have to I say know. last names all the time? Bruce, work. I have
1: involved. no idea. You know, my last name is way too long, and it
0: it's just it <laughs> is Micah. It is. <laughs> Bruce and Micah. And we're here for episode 11 with uh, a really cool guest, Micah. And it's somebody I, I know we said in the very beginning, we there's two things we didn't want this to be. We didn't want it to be a Telesystem commercial because we both work for Telesystem. And we didn't want it to just be a telecom podcast. But There's so many people that you and I both know and we love, and people keep coming to us and saying, I want to be part of this thing. You guys are doing awesome. By the way, thousands and thousands of listeners, we converted to the new platform. We're on Megaphone, so you have to listen to a couple more ads, but that helps us grow and you're supporting us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. But uh, we got another great guest today in the telecom world. Tell us all about it.
1: Well, um, she is an amazing person and a friend, and her name is Kelly Danziger. She is the general manager and VP of channel of Informatech, which is the largest media company in the world that does yeah. trade shows and put on events anywhere in the world, Europe, London, <laughs> you name <So> it.
0: <laughs> all of you telecom people that ever went to channel partners conference and expo in Las Vegas you're going through uh through kelly in some way shape or form all of those people uh, She's the big boss yeah they report up through her organization really cool i want to talk to her about the pandemic and how that's affected their business it's it's going to be great to get the rebranding
1: you know from channel partners to channel futures i want to hear it all so it's going to be a good a good show
0: all right like follow subscribe it's free on whatever podcast platform that you prefer. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Audacity, (laughs) Audacity, which was radio.com and iHeartRadio, whatever. All of the major ones were there. Support us. All you have to do is listen. For more than 10% of the show, it registers back to the advertisers. They love us and we keep going. So that's how you can take part as well. Mike and I will be back with Kelly right here on Next Generation Leadership. Welcome back, Next Generation Leadership, Bruce Wert, Micah Rosales-Peterson, and Micah, we got an awesome guest today.
1: We have an amazing guest today, my friend, Kelly Danziger, who is the general manager and vice president of channel at InformaTech. Welcome. We are so excited to have you here.
2: Oh, thank you both for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's wonderful to see you both. Kelly, before Micah
0: gets into it, I've been in the channel for uh, 24 three years now, and we've never met before. I can't I believe know.
2: it. I know. I that's crazy. It. Well, yeah. I'm so glad we're doing it now, and we're going to do it again
1: live in November.
0: Yeah. I can't wait. Yes. I, I, for, for so many reasons, I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> and it's a good segue, speaking, right, Micah?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just a good segue. Just speaking on that, the turmoil of this year has been insane, yeah. and and your prime business is events, right? Just forward-facing, having people together. Yeah walk us into that world like what is going on right now in your world Kelly it's probably upside down topsy-turvy <laughs> you know I feel going like on
2: I feel like it's leveling out now you know I feel like the topsy-turvy insanity was truly about 12 months ago and if you all remember we were getting ready for Channel Partners Expo in Vegas and on Friday as we're all planning to fly out Saturday Sunday set up on Monday, we had to pull the plug on Friday. I mean, we were right at that point where it just exploded. And we were having that whole two weeks prior, just daily calls and check-ins with our advisory board. And everyone's like, no, we're in, we're in, we're coming, we're coming, we're good. And everything was looking rock solid. And then all of a sudden on like Wednesday night, it stuff got real. And my exec team is located in London. And it's nine o'clock my time. So it's like 2 a.m. their time. And we're all on these calls about, okay, here's what we need to do. And, you know, of course, being, you know, a business, not a not-for-profit, but a for-profit business, you're looking at the financials and it was like shocking, shocking. And so um, that was probably the biggest challenge I've ever had in my 30-year career working in the events and media business, never dealt with anything like this before. I don't think anybody has. Um, so who it pulled was the so plug? Hard. Was it you? Well, I had to be the one to insist that we get our executives out of bed at 2 a.m. to have this <laughs> call <laughs> because my clients were in a panic and everything was blowing up from IM to text to phone to emails personal emails linkedin i mean people were in an absolute another panic and we had to make that decision really fast and um yeah that was a scary call because i wasn't even at that time the general manager of the group i was still running sales for the team and um having to you know present what what this was going to look like was a very scary moment and um you know our executive team uh, the the respect i have for what for the way they've managed our company through this is incredible um yeah. they really kept the human element at heart i e us the people um and understanding that we are what fuels this business and they had some really difficult decisions to to make and um i feel as though they weathered weathered it with strong leadership a lot of courage, bravery, and grace. And it gave us the strength to continue to find a way to muddle through. <laughs> it was a wild ride.
0: Big credit to the airlines, too, because the airlines originally weren't going to be as flexible. And I know for, for us, and, and a shout out to uh, to Pam Heckman, who does all of our travel at Telesystem. It's not a Telesystem podcast, but we try to represent. Uh, big credit to the airlines for for being extremely accommodating during all and I mean to the extent that a lot of the airlines carried over medallions and things yes. for people that earned it so big credit there how was it like dealing with the venue and really? cuz I remember talking to Kevin Morris who was our rep back then and you know really pressuring him and it's funny you know when tele system pressures it's not the same as when AT&T and Comcast pressure oh that's, that's not, not true <laughs> <laughs> I not remember true. <laughs> I remember Kevin saying, you know, so it's in, in some way, it's not just about us. It's about the venue and the venue because they hold a lot of the cards because there's a lot of money involved. So what was that like?
2: Oh, that was a, that was fun. Um, that was a good time. The venue, I, I think, you know, think about when all of this was going on, it was crashing hard. And everyone was just in a panic of like, okay, we've never dealt with something like this before, and everyone's looking at revenue and what is this going to do? And I think the first, because it wasn't just the venue, it was Freeman. It was all of the, um, it was everyone. I remember the electricians, the carpenters, you name it. And the venue has been outstanding. Um, and, and that was a lot of negotiation with our operations team who hold the relationships with the venue to really negotiate through this Um, and to make sure all of you were protected and you weren't losing all of your housing fees and deposits that you put down and you weren't going to be held to those. So that was a, that was a lot of, that was months of work to untangle that. And those were things that we didn't have the control of. And so, the negotiation with Freeman and, and, and why everybody was trying to figure out how do we get your freight back to you? Because all your freight was there, too.
1: Everything and, was already there. <laughs>
2: Everybody's stuff was at there. the venue. <laughs> and we had some people that were there, too. We had some internationals yeah. that were coming Oh, We're going to play in Vegas for the weekend. And so mm-hmm. um, Thomas Baker, my director of sales, lives in Phoenix. And he goes, I'll I'll go oh, to Vegas. And so he was there to actually be a point Um, for people who were coming in and, um, you know, to kind of help smooth them through this and and help them through this transition. But we're very grateful that the venues, our partners at Freeman, um, and all of the vendors that we work with were really amenable to come to the table and find a way to make make this work. Because at the end of the day, we were, and I know it might sound cliche, but we're all, you know, we're all in this together. I mean, there's nobody who wasn't impacted by this. And now it was just... How do we untangle this and figure out what's the best path forward because we will come out of this as we're seeing we're starting to come out of this and the way that you treat people and the relationships that you want to preserve are going to live on long past this nightmare that we've lived through so i think you know that was first and foremost for us as we wanted to protect our customers. IEU as well, and, and our partners who were attending this event, but we also needed to preserve and and, and understand what our our partners at the venues and, and Freeman were also going through because we need them no matter where yeah. we and thankfully in of being such a large organization you know that that allows our relationship with them to be very deep because we work with these folks not just on the channel partners events but on the hundreds of events that we do across the globe mm-hmm. and that does also carry weight in terms of some negotiation and being able to get some, you know, allocations for our customers. So yeah, that was, um, it was a long time and still there are things that are still being finalized as now we're planning November.
1: Well, I mean, I'm excited for November, Bruce. I know you are too. I'm ready to get back as a group and get people together. That is what I'm missing the most. And I'm vaccinated,
0: so (laughs) I am just ready. Don't rub it in. Uh, Listen, Pennsylvania, I'm... we haven't caught up to uh, ohio yet or some other places i feel like though it's like you know when noah uh when at the end of the flood there's like a little ray of sunshine that peeks through the window of the boat and uh we haven't sent the we haven't sent the, the bird out to get to uh to bring back the olive branch i'm i'm, I'm botching my biblical stories but yes, i feel you really like a ray of stop sunshine right is peeking into the boat We'll stop there
2: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, you know yeah. what, Bruce, You're, I'm in Connecticut. I'm not too far. Connecticut's doing a good job. I get my second shot on April 15th. And um, then it's like, I'm ready to rock. Yeah. So I've already kind of put out, yeah. Michael, you might've seen this on Facebook, but I, uh, I'm i I'm, I'm, like now in my, forget that the summer transformation mode, this is the channel partner November transformation mode. Yeah. And I'm bringing ball gowns. Like I'm bringing gowns to all of the awards programs. And I want my guys in tuxedos, my team members as well. Oh, you're going all in. Oh, my. It's
1: homecoming. That's Uh, the theme of this event. Homecoming, right? So, does everyone else have to come with ball gowns and all Uh, these? I think we all should be whatever
2: you're comfortable in. But I've got my gowns from like family weddings and bar mitzvahs, and I'm planning on breaking them out. Hopefully, I'll fit into (laughs) them. So, I'm giving myself some time. That
1: is hilarious. We're going to have a good time. I'm looking forward to seeing you there and seeing all your ball gowns and how beautiful you're going to look. It's going to be so much fun. So, but I know you've been in this industry for a while. Walk us through that journey. Like, how did you start? How did you get here? Like, how did you, how did you end up here? I think it, it's, it's
2: uh, nobody goes to college saying or, or in high school saying this is what I'm going to do. You know, you kind of stumble into it. it was, I was interviewed for by our, our company uh, recently, and I had the same question was posed to me and I kind of stumbled in it. You know, I got out of college in the early 90s and we were in a recession and things were you know not good and I fell into working like at a temp agency. You know, I went to a temp agency looking for work and they the ladies actually hired me to work for them doing permanent, repl- uh, permanent placements. And they knew within a couple of months, you know, I'm this young kid that I, you know, they related to me as their own daughters and you, they knew of a company called Connors Exhibitions, which is now Reed. And one of the daughters worked there and it was a great career path. And so one day I'm in my office doing my thing and uh, one of the owners of the agency comes over to me and she goes, you are going to Connors for an interview. They're looking for a customer service rep and you're going now. And take my scarf, you look beautiful, put on a little lipstick, you're ready to go. I went for the interview. By the time I got back to the office, there was a job offer waiting for me as a customer service rep at Connors Exhibitions. So I started you know, doing that for a little bit. And from time to time, uh, there would be groups within the business that needed help, whether it be um, bringing attendees into the show. So it wasn't just about doing inbound. They might want us to do some external calling to VIP attendees. So they were launching a tech show. And at the time, you're going back 30 years ago, twelve hundred dollars to attend an event was a lot of money. And so they were like, for everyone you close, you convert, we'll give you a hundred bucks. I'm like, OK, well, I need a new car. <laughs> <laughs> I need $5,000 do the math, right? So, well, it was easy. So I closed the business. I made the $5,000. My dad and I went shopping for a new car. Easy peasy. So then they're like looking at this saying, okay, you're selling. You're liking this. We need some help doing some backup. A booth sales. Okay, sure. So it's stay late, do the booth sales. I ended up being number one in North America that month. Wow. And they're like, okay, get her out. You know, We gotta move her from customer service into sale. She's like, you know, hungry. And so they moved me into launching the sponsorship and advertising group. So, okay, fun. So we start selling some cool things. We were working on a packaging show and there was this new thing uh, called like this blimp that you could advertise on this blimp and someone would remote control it around a show, trade show floor. So I pitch it to Arco Chemical. The next thing, they want me to come to the office to talk about it. So my boss goes with me. I'm now 22, 20, 23, and um, young kid have no idea what I'm getting into. We fly, we puddle jump over there, go to Arco Chemical in this gorgeous conference room, and 14 people come in. Wow. 14 yeah.
0: people come in. That's uh, that's that's one of those uh, sticker shock moments, right?
2: It's one of those moments you either sink or swim. Right. Right. And so we the introduction. So at this point, I thought my boss was going to do the talking. And he, and he goes, no, he goes, this is Kelly's meeting, scared to death, right? So present, not only presented, got through it, they signed on the dotted line for a $20,000 sponsorship. I went home with a signed contract for 20 grand that was the moment that i knew i was never going to do anything other than sell like i love to sell and i'm good at it you know love it it was such a defining moment for me and so that launched my career in trade show world and they moved me out of that department into you know uh, selling on an event And then i was the youngest manager i was 25 years old promoted into management right after i had my first child i come back from maternity leave and i was promoted to sales manager and then moved up to director and then it just kept going from there so it's been a um i've had some amazing mentors and i've had some amazing people that have really believed in me and saw what i did because i never knew i could sell you know and all of a sudden i did and for me the mentors that started for me were men there were just male managers that i had that saw a spark and a young person who was hungry and would listen to what the coaching they had to say and i would use it and spin it in my own way and um I've just been really fortunate to have to have started out with those two women at the agency who saw something in me and got me into, into Connors, which is now Reed, and then just some really wonderful mentors who have, have really bolstered me and believed in me and pulled me along. So it's been a wonderful ride.
0: And, and kudos to whoever that manager was that at 23 told you, I, I remember uh, before Telesystem, I was an executive at a smaller company. And um, with a smaller company, you have a smaller budget and you can't you yeah. can't hire uh, necessarily very experienced people sometimes. So I was used to having very, very young teams. I would get people right out of school. And one of the things that I did was, because I've I've always been a believer in identifying talent and then putting it to work, right? Yeah. So one of the things was when several times, going to a meeting like that. Maybe it wasn't quite as big, but being in the car and the, you know, the person is saying, well, you know, what, how, when do you want me to speak up? And I would say almost the same thing. this is your meeting. And Sometimes people would get very angry at me, and I could tell in those moments who's going to make it and who's not going to make it because you either rise up or or you don't. And then we coach you and we see what happens. But that is something where there's probably a lot of leaders, and I I want to talk to those leaders right now. There's a lot of leaders that would just take the meeting expect the person to observe or learn by Mm -hmm. osmosis. And people don't grow that way. And you grew Mm -hmm. into what you are because of moments like that. And I think that's very important. And hopefully that's, is that your style of leadership? Do you? It It is,
2: you know, I have, you can see in people, you know, my whole thing is, is I'm really about hard work. Nothing, there's no shortcut to success. You have to put the work in and you have to want it. And, you know, I like to take that unpolished stone and find a way to coach, mentor, train, connect them with other people that they should be talking to, bring them into training where I think they're going to get an opportunity to meet other people that they can learn from and and chat with. But I love to pull people up and and, and I want them to shine and take the credit
0: yeah.
2: and own it, you know, yeah. and to really have those moments. Because that is a moment that was one of my proudest moments. And I think back on that and it's like, oh, wow, like I really yeah. did that, you know. Yeah. And if I could do that, what else can I do?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know you at a personal level as well. And I remember you, you saying a story about when you grew up, right. And how you grew up yeah. gave you the grit of pushing forward today. And, um and it made you realize what your why is. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, do you think that is a combination of just how you grew up to the way that you are now? Like, or is it just based off, internal motivation. I don't know if that's a loaded question. It (laughs) is a loaded question.
2: It's, it's a good question too, because, you know, I came from a hardworking family. You know, both of my parents came from not having fathers growing up and um, that was hard for my parents and both of them at young ages had to be helpful to support their families. And it was really important for them that when they got married and they got married young and they're still together, Um, they got married 17 and 19 and they're still together. And it was really important for them that they, they went and had a home and a nice community and that their kids would be safe and would be able to have things in life. And at one point, my mom got very, very sick. We weren't sure if she was going to make it. And we didn't have family close to us, physically close to us. And I was 14 and my sister was only two and it wasn't planned that way. Just that's what happened in life. And um, I had to get pulled out of school to take care of my sister and keep the house going. So my father could go to work and take, be at the hospital with my mom after work. So there was a lot put on me because I had to teach myself. I, you know, there was none of this then right you would get your work given to you your teachers would pull things together and they weren't even talking to you on the phone like you were basically self-teaching and mm-hmm. taking care of a toddler and keeping a house going and that was a lot you know as a and you know i know for my parents that's one of their biggest like gosh we wish we didn't have to have done that to you so it wasn't like there was a choice you know and so family and and, and having to take that on uh, there was a lot, and, and my father never once did he let down on me with my grades. I better not be bringing home a C,
1: okay? And I'm like, but I'm so teaching myself. So your dad wasn't like mine. and My parents yeah, used to be like, I'm teaching myself. You better get an A. Yes, you know. <laughs> so it was it was
2: a rough point in my life, um, but I, you know, I've always seen my father and my mother work so hard. And it was always about working hard to give to their family. And, you know, we had a beautiful home, but there wasn't a ton of money. So it wasn't like, I could have all my college paid for. So I had to pay for parts of my college too, you know, so as you start looking at colleges, and you start thinking about where you're going to go, state school made sense. you know, and um, it was affordable and it, you know, would allow me to not be too far from home, but still live away. But I had to pay for, you know, a good portion of that. And so I just always learned from day one, if you want something, you got a skin in the game, you know, there's, there's no handouts, you know, and I know so many individuals who had it easier than me and had the fancier schooling and the you know accelerated education, and they haven't done much with it. And so I always look at that and say, I'm not always looking for the person who is the you know, the Ivy League scholar. You know, I'm looking for somebody who has common sense, who has a work ethic, who is it's important to them to go to work every day and give an honest day's you know work for an honest day's pay and you give me somebody who wants to work I'll take that any day over someone with a fancy education. That's like
1: Bruce's philosophy here. Yeah and, and I mean that's a rising
0: there's that's a consistent theme that rises out of this show week after week is talent is is important but hard work can can really overbalance that on the scale mm-hmm. and people need to know people need to know that no matter where you went to school and what you did in the past if you want it you can go get it there's a path you might have to go and get some education or teach yourself some things but you can do almost anything you want Agreed. outside of hitting a baseball that's going on miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> but but if you have a little bit of talent, there's a, people that are, have a little bit of talent that are in the Hall of Fame and turned out much better than somebody that had a pedigree and was a number one overall draft choice. So, yeah, it's so true. That's my, I shout that from the mountaintops. Hard work can get you almost anything you want in life. And my credo for hiring is I don't care about what you did yesterday, which includes school, right? And Mm -hmm. and school's important, but there's a lot more factors. I care about what you're going to do tomorrow. So don't rest on that education, kids. Go out and work (laughs) hard. You're not entitled. There is no
2: shortcut to success. Yes.
0: Yes. No shortcut.
2: Hard work.
1: Hard work is always number one. I'm off the
0: soapbox, Mike. I'm done.
1: Wait, what'd you say?
0: I said, I'm off the soapbox. I stepped down. You're
1: (laughs) off the soapbox? I love it. So Kelly, what, I'm going to ask you just the most random question right now, right? Being that this year has been insane, well, 2020, what is the craziest risk that you've took in 2020? Being with this chaos and channel partners and pivoting. Accepting the promotion, to the general manager and
2: vice president over this group. Wait, wait, hold on. That was a risk. That was a risk. Yeah. Look at the business. Live wow. events, live events were not happening. Like we didn't, yeah. we didn't know, and we lost a lot of team members. You know, um, our company, just like every other, had to make some difficult decisions. And you know, our company offered um, voluntary severance packages. For folks, and, um, for folks who needed to take care of children, take care of family members. And we lost a number of family members during that time. And so we were short staffed. Um, the future was very uncertain in terms of how we were going to be. And this opportunity to go from VP of sales, running media and you know, event sales, to running the entire business was, was there. And it was mine if I wanted it. You know, I had an interview obviously and go through because it were for a huge company. But when they come to you and ask you to take this on, because they see the leadership that I was I was providing to the team, it was one of those like it took my breath away. And you know, real had to had to really evaluate this. Um, so yeah, it was a big risk this year, but it's one that. Um, you jump in head first and you're all in. And I'm so proud of what we're doing over here at yeah. Channel Partners and Channel Futures and where things are going and how my team has just pulled together. We're not a, just colleagues. We're a family. It's truly a family. I can tell. <laughs> you guys and are it really great is. Over. And you mentioned one of my family members earlier, Kevin Morris, who had taken the the voluntary severance package to pursue something that he's always wanted to do. Well, I just wrangled him back because family
1: needs family. Right. And um, he's one of a kind. I love Kevin Morris. He certainly is. He's an amazing person. I'm glad that you guys brought him back. That was, that was exciting. (laughs) I was so excited to do that.
0: (laughs) Going back to risks and Kevin is one of my favorite people. He, he helped me. There was one year where I forget what exactly the scenario was, but I couldn't get my badge and I had paid, I, I, I think I might not have pre-registered okay. and um, I just had an awful time at the desk and I'm like, Kevin, you got to help me. I, I paid like five figures to get a booth and a meeting room and I need to be able to get in to use it. And, and Kevin helped me. He stopped everything he was doing and um, he didn't have to do that. But a good guy. Um, going back to uh, what you were saying before about the, um, and, and I, I think I lost my thought that that's uh, we're not even alive. Yeah, no risk. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I like, you're like, you not even alive. <laughs> my no. People take that, I don't think people understand the bigger the job is, the bigger the risk is, Mm -hmm. and the less room for failure there is. So there's probably a lot of people that say, I want the big job, I want to be the CEO, I want to be the whatever. And the more the more you take on, the less room for failure there is. And you shouldn't make those decisions lightly because if you have a bunch of things going on, we talked to Janet Shines about this. You have to sacrifice sometimes when you have big jobs. There might be that time at two o'clock in the morning where your family is priority number one and should be, but you might have to sacrifice uh, not being home on a whim to go and handle something like, you talked about and and that's something and and if you don't then boards are unforgiving and and they're designed like that they're not they're not part of the culture of the company they're outsiders that are giving Mm -hmm. you know and voting based on just pure numbers results (laughs) it's uh it is risky and and you have to make those decisions knowing all of those factors
1: right and I, I remember Kelly you said as well that the higher you go the more you're exposed, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't hide anything. you, you're, you the curtain is open.
2: You can right. run,
1: but you can't hide. I say that a lot. <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. Do you see that a lot now that you're at this top level? Is it, um, is it scary?
2: Um, is it scary?
1: It's a learning experience.
2: I think it's the way you approach it. Um, there's times it's intimidating. Um, yeah. Because there's so many individuals that I work with that are so seasoned and so smart and have a lot of experience at this level. But it's interesting when you get into it and you start breaking it down. We do they, The company is very supportive in terms of the training. They bring us all together. We do a lot of breakouts and working group sessions together. There's always something you know that somebody else doesn't. And it's having that confidence to have to to have your voice and to share your experiences and what you're doing and then you learn from each other. So it has been scary, but I think about what I tell my children and what I tell my young employees that I have, I had to take I had to not only I had to practice what I preach. And that's to realize that there's going to be parts of this job you don't know. And you're going to need to find individuals internally, whether they're on your team or outside of your team, to find a mentor, to find someone who is doing it well that you admire and that you can learn from, Mm -hmm. To, to look at the members on your team and to see their strengths and where can you pull them in to be part of learning some of these things so you know my i say there's a lot of these cliches but it takes a village and i really do believe that so as as we're building we're doing you know we're doing three-year plans right now i i could do that myself but that would be silly because you know you build it you own it so you bring your teams in so you have to have that trust in that Belief in the people that you're working with, that they too are going to have a voice and they're going to bring something to the table that's going to help you to to build something great that's going to do something great for the community that we serve. So, yes, it's been scary, um, but I feel like I'm getting my sea legs. And I've had a lot of support and a lot of really great people, both on my team and outside of my team. And every single day, I kid you not, I learned something new. Like I've already learned two new things today prior to this call. Like it's just every day I feel like there's like a new revelation that I'm like a light another light bulb goes on. So it's really um, it's fun learning this. And you know, the challenge is I like challenge to me. I was, you know, I love selling. So it's always what's that next challenge, because the challenge is the opportunity. And then that opportunity when you when you seize it, gives you that big high, and you just feel really great, and then you're ready for the next one. So that's how I'm approaching this. And I also look at the community outside of my company. And I look at the support from our customers, from Analysts in the space, from partners in the space that are so welcoming and helpful to me. You know, Mr. Jay McBain, God bless him. I mean, if I text Mr. McBain, he responds within 15 minutes. And how helpful he was. When I'm pulling together last year, the 2021 plan, first time I'm having to do this, the strategy plan, to present to the execs and how helpful he was. I look at Janet Shines, love that woman. Um, So incredibly helpful. Amy Bailey, uh, Rob Ray, Scott Barlow. I mean, I have this support, not just inside, but I look at a community of channel and that's why we exist as channel partners and channel futures we are here to serve the full channel community and I look at all of this my clients outside here that are pulling for me and pushing me forward and that's something that I take very it means a lot to me and I'm always like who can I pull up behind me you know we all have that obligation to do that yeah. to always look behind you and who can you pull
1: up? That's my philosophy of so life. I'm very
0: grateful. Yeah. yeah uh, Micah, before you close it out, Kelly, I just want to ask you from a business standpoint. And you've been in the channel for such a long time, and part of uh, you know what makes the channel's heartbeat. What do you think about all this consolidation? You know, it started with the provider side, the regional Clex died, you saw all these niche providers pop up. And and then you're starting to see the, the death of the regional master agent and and there's mass consolidation into just a few. What what do, what are your thoughts and where do you oh. see this thing going?
2: Yeah, that's a big question, isn't it? I think that one's something that's playing out in less booths
0: us. that you can sell. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's playing out in, in a real-time basis and we can look at it as it's a consolidation. And is this a negative or is this creating an opportunity within the channel? And is this forcing almost now forcing people who weren't working together to start to work together yeah. um, to, to build the solutions that will best serve their customers? And I think we, if it's the way sometimes you change the way you look at things, the things you're looking at change. And we, you know, I know there was a lot of fear. I think about. Even three years ago, we had a think tank, four years ago, we had a think tank going at Channel Futures, and we would bring, you know, top members within the industry coming together. We'd sit around these boardroom tables for two days and and banter back and forth, consolidation, no, it's never going to happen. The agents and the MSPs are never going to work together. We can never see this partnership happening, but it is happening. And it's not happening maybe at in in a fast pace, maybe it's not happening across the board, but you're seeing. I mean, look at TPX as a prime example of you know being an agent acquiring an MSP, working together. So I think we have to look at this in a positive way, and what is the opportunity that this can create? And I think we'll we'll see things shaking out. Um, I think especially. What's happened with COVID has really accelerated a lot of this. Yeah. This pandemic has really accelerated a lot of this and made people have to think differently about how they're doing their jobs, because what was the need of the customer? All of a sudden, it was yeah. work from home. And this was there was technology needed that the managed service providers, for instance, really knew well how how to do and then there were pieces that they didn't know how to do they didn't understand the networks and understanding a home router how am i going to be able to empower our an employee base to work from home on that system so everyone had to learn a little bit more so i think the next couple of months are going to be really interesting in what we see and i think the content that you're and this is i know as we're building the content for november right now this is a lot of what we're talking about and what we're hearing folks in our advisory board talking about in terms of how we should be steering ourselves in terms of what we're presenting in November. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So thank you, Kelly. We appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time and your story, everything. I, I, I really think and believe that someone hearing this is going to be impacted in some way, somehow. And and thank you just for being part of it and and supporting us in this podcast. So we Uh, appreciate you.
2: Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this because I love listening to your your podcast series. I love the stories. And every time I listen to one of them, I learn something. So thank you guys as well for what you're doing. You're bringing something
0: much needed. Kelly, before we let you go, percent chance, percent chance that we will have a Open and full attendance at Channel Partners in November.
2: Open and full attendance. Well, I think that's up to you guys on how
0: you're feeling. We're going.
2: We're preparing for 5,000.
0: All right. All right. There you go. You heard it. You heard it. We are full throttle.
1: You heard it first, right here. (laughs) All
0: right. Let's take a short break. We'll come back on the other side, wrap it up. Thanks to Kelly Danzinger for being our guest here on Next Generation.
1: Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. In a world where businesses are striving to adapt, connect, and evolve, we're here to bring you more. More freedom to work how and where you want while keeping employees connected, productive, and engaged. More flexibility to customize solutions to tailor a simple, more agile network. And more security for an evolving cyber landscape with around-the-clock access to hands-on technical support. It's time to explore more. Okay. Welcome back, Next Generation Leadership. Man, The Micah, the, there's just a few <laughs> things that keep rising out of every episode. And I know. Work hard. Work hard. work and hard. succeed. Anybody can do anything. You hear it. Anyone the can best. do
1: anything. Anything they want to do, you can do. And it takes hard work and grit. Those two things together can take you anywhere. Anywhere. Sometimes you don't even need education.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. And I mean, I know when I hire education's important and there's some jobs that we do um, place college degree requirement on. But I normally will work with HR to see if we can have, um, you know, either education and or experience because real world experience, especially if you're successful. That transcends what you learned in a book, sometimes 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. And, and I
1: don't even think college teaches you the things that you need today to work, right? What is it teaching you? <laughs> if you're not a doctor or a dentist or or something like that, you know, you have a general degree. I mean, experience, I think the com- experience is what matters, right? Like working think, hard.
0: Not to... um make all of the educators out there angry. What college does besides, I mean, you get foundational education, but it also gives you experience of working through, you know, partying and living life and understanding (laughs) because you get more freedom. High school is very regimented in college. Um, they don't force you to go to class. There's no true officer that's going to show up at, at mom's door. They're not going to call your mother and say you're getting bad grades. It is up to Excuse you. You brought back memories. <laughs> it is up to you. Hopefully you weren't in trouble, Micah. Come on.
1: No, I did not. But you know, cutting school and stuff like that in high school, <laughs> skipping yeah. classes. That, that, that was back in the day.
0: Remember, officer, anything. officer, we we got out early today. We had an early discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, but it's the experience and and people go to college to learn how to yeah. be independent. And I think work experience is, is very important. Hard work is very important. And I say it all the time. Anybody can do anything they want if you work hard enough. And sometimes you might have to turn over some more rocks. I mean, life isn't easy and, and we just have to keep overcoming obstacles. And if, if you can't do it by yourself, find somebody to help you work through those obstacles because there's a lot of attraction out there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. What do we got next week?
1: All right. So next week you and I are going to be chatting it up, but the week after we have Jumani Williams, who's the public advocate of New York city. He is the second to the mayor of New York. We also have Bita from uh SVP of <laughs> I don't want to botch her last name. Melanian. You know, I'm Hispanic. So I'm gonna say oh. Milin Milinan. Milanian.
0: <laughs> Mel- Melanian. Melanian.
1: Melanian. Yeah. You know, Hispanic people, I'm gonna pronounce it how we say Milanian, which is not the way that you say it. So I listen, I don't, I don't, I don't know.
0: I, I I don't I'm i do I'm just guessing. I'm guessing it's an educated guess
1: is it? i don't want to don't 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 be be upset with
0: us don't be upset all
1: right well yeah those are the two that we have coming up and we're excited for
0: them all right there we go all right that's it for this week thanks for uh thanks for tuning in rate review on itunes please that helps listen to more than 10 percent, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts for micah i'm bruce next generation leadership we'll talk to you next time bye
2: peace